0: Welcome to The Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, March 22nd. We have an Excellent show for all of you listeners today as I am joined by a first-time guest. It's Yahoo! Sportsbook betting analyst Pam Maldonado joining me to break down our top contenders for the 2023 Miami Open men's singles title. Of course, we dive headfirst into maybe my favorite debate right now in all of pro tennis. Carlos Alcaraz versus center, Sinner, of course, their young rivalry had a magnifying glass shine upon on it at Indian Wells after Alcaraz knocked off Sinner in a straight set semifinal victory. Pam makes the case for why Alcaraz has separated himself is on a tier of his own moving forward while I make the argument that it's still a bit too early to count Yannick Sinner out of that discussion right now. But of course, that was a fantastic conversation. We also get into some of the other candidates who we think could do damage at this Miami. And, of course, there are some obvious ones, right? Daniil Medvedev, Felix Ogier, Ali Asim. But we get into some of these sleepers as well. More broadly, it's an excellent conversation that I am certain all of you Crack Rackets, Mini Break listeners are going to enjoy, of course. Before we get to it, two quick things. One, if you're a fan of all things tennis, we promise you you'll enjoy college tennis. And that's why we encourage you to come check out the broadcast. We have every Friday and Sunday moving forward over on ESPN. SEC, and ACC Network Plus. We are so honored to be able to shine a spotlight on some of the best college tennis that happens each and every weekend across the country. You can follow those broadcasts again every weekend on ESPN Plus, on ACC Network, SEC Network Plus. Of course, you can follow our Big Ten coverage every Sunday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel as well. Sincerely, folks, you see all of these players with college tennis ties making breakthroughs at the professional level. The reason they're able to do so is that the level of the collegiate game has never been higher. And so if you enjoy our Cracked Rackets content, if you enjoy these mini break podcasts, we promise you'll enjoy our coverage of the 2023 college tennis season as well. Be sure to catch out those broadcasts as well as our podcasts covering all things in the college tennis world over on our Great Shot podcast feed. Of course, also shout out to all of you listeners who tune in day in, day out. Shout out to our dear friends at Tennis Point for their support. Remember, for all of the latest and greatest equipment at the best prices tennis-point.com use our promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there with all of that said though let's get to it here are some thoughts on the top contenders for the 2023 Miami Open men's singles crown with the one and only Pam Maldonado Joining us on the podcast for the first time today and making her long-awaited debut here on our Crack Rackets podcast is a guest you may know best as a do-everything over at the Yahoo Sportsbook. (laughs) Of course, we always appreciate hearing her insights relating to anything tennis. Welcome on to our show, Pam, excuse me, Maldonado. Pam, thank you for taking the time to join us. How are you doing today?
1: Um, I'm doing great. Uh, we just talked about Miami. kicked off today. That's like always a great tournament to watch. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. But I'm even considering booking it to Miami myself just to find some sun. So that's brightened up my mood a bit. <laughs> that's
0: good. That's why they call it the Sunshine Swing. That's its exactly. intention. And so I'm glad to hear that. Let me ask you a quick over under to start. Over under two and a half people in your life who call you the full Pamela? Under. Uh, it's, it's a zero. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I get cold. My nicknames are like pancakes because I love pancakes. <laughs> okay. I eat pancakes like every day. Pammy, Pam, lam Lamb, Pam Jam, Pam Pam, like. Yeah. But I haven't heard of the do-it-all Pam. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: the reason I ask is because inevitably today we'll have some sort of disagreement as it relates to Sinner and Alcaraz, and I can <laughs> see myself going, listen, Pamela, and I just want you to know it won't be in an offensive way. That's just, it, it'll come out naturally, but of course, again, really appreciate you taking the time to chat today, and the reason we the wanted debate. to have you on this show, yeah, I should say to debate today, <laughs> we'll see, yeah, I like it, is because, again- Right now, Sunshine Swing, it's that rare opportunity in the tennis calendar where you get to watch just about every top 50 player in the world compete, not just at one event, but back-to-back events. And with this Sunshine Swing sort of being the symbolic end to the first third of the season, it feels like it's a good time to take stock of where things stand. And obviously coming out of Indian Wells, coming out of the U.S. Open, coming out of the past year and a half in the tennis world. The biggest story is the rise of 19-year-old Carlos Alcaraz, who captures Indian Wells last week. And, you know, on Twitter, there was a discussion. Has Alcaraz separated himself from the rest of the field already? Are there any other players who are even in that sort of stratosphere, that caliber of player, dare I say, that tier moving forward? I am of the belief that there are multiple players in that tier, and it come, kind of comes down to the definition of tiers, and we'll get into that today, I promise. But just more broadly, are you ready to start considering Carlos Alcaraz, not just the best player in, at Miami, the best player at Indian Wells, but are you ready to put him in that Djokovic stratosphere and say maybe he is just the best player in the men's game right now?
1: I put Carlos Arcaras in the same tier as Nadal and Djokovic a year ago. Um, Okay. I was one of the original people. I like to commend myself on this. I'm going to pat myself on the back. (laughs) I said that he would win uh, the U.S. Open long before it was a consideration. And I said that and this past one, not just a U.S. Open. I said that he would win this U.S. Open, the 2022 version. And then I also said that he would be world number one by year's end. And both came to fruition. Um, So I've been on, he's been on my radar when he, long before he became Carlos Alcaraz, And you just see it because the huge difference between the big three plus Andrew Murray and then the rest of the field is everybody right now is playing a baseline game. And then in comes this 18-year-old, 17-year-old at the time who had the drop shot, had the vo- volleys. He had weaponry. He had just variety in his game that nobody else on tour was producing. And now you have seen it. And then he took a month off to <laughs> to develop his body. And he was preparing to go on a tear. And on a tear, he went. So, yeah, I mean, he's been in just this higher epsilon of talent that we haven't seen it's it's truly generational he has the combo set of Djokovic Nadal and Federer all wrapped into one we've been saying it since right from the beginning and he is proving it to be true every single time he steps on court
0: his record since the start of last season is just a joke he's played (laughs) 85 matches he's 71 and 14 Like, yeah, at a certain point, it's just like, what are we doing here? Because you look at the prime seasons in ATP tour history and like prime Djokovic, prime Nadal, prime Federer. And then I was bored yesterday. This is what I do in my spare time. In case you were curious, I went in the tennis abstract rabbit hole and I was like, what are the best three year primes? Because I want to contextualize what Alcaraz is doing.
1: Can I guess one of them?
0: Yeah, please.
1: Djokovic, ah, 2015, 2016.
0: Yeah, it's a joke. His, like, well, I, it's tough what to choose because, you know, his 2011, he starts out with a 42-match win streak, right? So you're like, if you put <laughs> yeah. that in, yeah, just, just a casual one that you forget about in the end. Although the Federer finger wave in the French Open semifinals, that's like a definitive moment of my childhood. Um But, yeah, just for what it's worth. Um, Djokovic, of course. Federer 05 to 07 and the real thing for Federer in that stretch is I think it's the nine majors he went 3 3 times 3 out of 4 3 times in a row something like that and so yeah that's a joke Nadal you got twenty years to choose from. Pick three year stretch. It's really freaking good, no matter what you do. The really interesting one, and this is again the rabbit hole, Yvonne Lendl, 85 to 87. He won like ninety-two percent of his matches, thirty-eight total finals in forty-five total events. Well,
1: like, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a that is a stat. You're probably the only person on the planet. Who would give him that credit when words do? Rightfully so. he will never be mentioned again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was in Scottsdale last weekend, so I was like, this, I got to say something at the bars. Um, So that was my line (laughs) of choice. But um, yeah, it was just like, is Alcaraz on that full circle here? I promise. Is Alcaraz on that tier yet? No. But. You look at some of the other comp on his times. way. Yeah, Agassi, Sampras, Edberg, they were all in that 84 to 86% range. And like, that's where Alcaraz is at 19 years old.
1: And you know yeah. why he will continue on that path? Please. Because the big three are already on their way out. We already have Federer off the table. We have Nadal, who's likely on his way out. And Djokovic is really his only true threat. So because of that, he is getting a huge boost to his future. And Choose future prospects of winning as many titles as he wants because he has the skill set and the big three won't be there to disrupt.
0: There are only four players Alcaraz has played more than once who he has a losing record against. Can you guess any of them? Sinner? Not not Sinner. Sinner, he's four and two against now, but we're going to get to him in a second. He has
1: a losing record against, uh, geez, no.
0: You're not going to get—I was going to say, Michael Emer, why would you know that? Why would anyone know that? Emer, 2-0 against Alcaraz for what it's worth. The other three, Zverev's 3-1, Felix's 3-1, Nadal's 2-1. That's crazy. He's 19 years old. And it's like, yeah, but I beat most of you. Um, and it's like he's already doing that. That said, you know, again, 2023— I would agree with you. I'm not sure if anyone else right now other than Djokovic is on that Alcaraz plane. Mm-hmm. But moving forward, I'm still in the Yannick Sinner camp. And before I make the case for him, what is your case against Sinner being that caliber of player moving forward?
1: Well, being against. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's a tough framing. It's what does Alcaraz have that I guess Sinner doesn't?
1: What does Sinner have that Alcaraz has the Power. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, and that's literally it, but that's the problem with sinner, right? Is that when you play five sets, can you hold on to that power? You can see the forehand speed trickle down. We saw it. His his forehand speed went from like 81 miles per hour to 73 from set one to set three. What do you think is going to happen in a best of five? I mean, it's pretty much like common sense at this point. Energy and effort as a match com- progresses against a top caliber player is going to drop. In skill, in level, um, your energy is going to die down and that's going to become a huge problem for Sinner when all he has is power. So it's no wonder that you can see Sinner take on players like Djokovic and Carlitos early on in matches, win the first set, but then he starts to fade. So if he does want to compete and it's not just Sinner, if players on tour want to compete and become part of the next big three, or just be even in the top five, top 10 um, and run the, run the chance of being world number one, once the big three fade, you have to add more tools to your bag. And if you don't, you're going to be a baseline game. And we've seen it, how it We've seen in players like Medvedev, when you're a baseliner and you ain't got nothing else, you can make it to a final, but you're not going to win the titles. And that's exactly in the same echelon that Sinner is in right now. He's doing well. He's beating up on players that he should. His power is just like running through the table against certain opponents. But once you find somebody against Carlos, how do you get through? You don't.
0: I disagree. Not entirely, <laughs> but but with some with certain things because... I, I think under first of all, first and foremost, what do you need to beat Carlos Alcaraz? You have to be able to hit him off his spot, right? You have mm-hmm. to be able to play on your terms. Foundationally, Yannick Center possesses that power to where and we saw it at Wimbledon last year, we saw it at UmaG last year. I always like to have the disclaimer Yannick Sinner had match point against Carlos Alcaraz at the U S open. And there's a world where Sinner closes that match out and maybe the past six months, it's the Yannick Sinner coronation and not the Carlos Alcaraz coronation because I do think Sinner goes on to win that event. He has the power. I disagree in the sense that that's all he brings to the court. Watching him get Mm -hmm. outside the ball on the backhand wing in particular, there's like a a visceral sensation. You can just see it. You're like he is trying to whip that ball across court. He's capable of doing it. I think short angle both sides. I think he has become a much more willing volleyer, volleyer, although I would agree with you it's not – as nearly as natural and instinctual as it is for Carlos Alcarez. I think he needs to work on that piece, but I think foundationally he's there. The last thing where I think the crux of my disagreement comes as it relates to this discussion is that physical piece because every time I watch Carlos Alcarez play – he develops a new muscle. Like, he has mm-hmm. a chest now. It's crazy. Where did that chest come from? It's new. <laughs> like, it wasn't there even in, in the South American yeah, stretch. And true. and that's when you true. watch Yannick Sinner, he's a Skeletor. Like, it's kind of 2000, what, 14 Giannis, where it's like, oh, here's this frame. It's interesting. He's athletic. What happens when he fills out? And the comparison I keep turning to of late is, is 2009 Novak Djokovic, who, like, had all these cramps and just couldn't finish these matches physically, but clearly had the level to be right there two out of three sets, just couldn't win the big one, and then he gave up gluten, and 2011 happened, and, you know, again, now the world is gluten-free. Like, it's just, you know, and in 2011, Djokovic turned 23, 24 years old. The -hmm. full circle thing is, like, Carlos, uh, Yannick Sinner is still 21, And if the bet is Yannick Sinner two, three years from now is going to continue to undergo physical development, and I have no doubts about his tennis, and it's like the physical things, the biggest question, isn't that a recipe for success?
1: Well, the question becomes, you're assuming that he's going to take the time to develop his body as such. And I haven't seen any indication that he's doing that. Maybe by adding Darren Cahill to his team, they're going to start thinking about that in the off season, whenever that opportunity comes. But as of right now, they're not doing anything. He's as thin and Gumby like as he has ever been. And it's really crazy to think about because where does all that power come from when he doesn't have muscle on his body whatsoever? He's got chicken (laughs) legs and it's just like, I'm a bodybuilder. So I'm like, I don't see it. And now this is why you do see him often, um, in injuries and getting cramps and doing the the blisters, he hasn't taken his body. He didn't prepare his body. Carlos Alcaraz, he did. He took his off season and he came back with 15 pounds of muscle. And you, all of a sudden, he's like Nadal. And then, like, where did it, where did it all come from? He was gone in the in the darkness, <laughs> somewhere remote <laughs> in Spain, doing I don't know kettlebell lifts and squats and deadlifts <laughs> and all the things. And he came back 15 pounds of like man meat. And now he was he did that. And then he went on a tear. Why? Because he built his body to sustain this level of tennis throughout a year. And Sinner just doesn't have that physicality. And I'm not sure. Like I said, there's no indication that he's going to take the time to do so. He hasn't yet and he hasn't he hasn't he's never once talked about it. Not that I've heard. So unless there's any sort of indication, then he's going to be on my short list of that's not a that's not an important factor to him at the moment.
0: Do I have the green light to refer to Carlos Alcarez as man meat moving on Tennis Twitter? And then just like, (laughs) you'll know who I'm talking about and anyone who listens to this show. And they'll be like, oh, another win for man meat. Another Um, win for man meat. Yeah, because I like that. But all right, here's where the numbers disagree with you. And it's them, not me disagreeing. Just let the record show. Um, Carlos Alcaraz, I mentioned that seventy-one and fourteen, which again,
1: <laughs> just
0: like how can you not smile and laugh at an a- like again, this kid That's is insane. nineteen years old. Yannick Sinner, same stretch of time since January 2022, 63 and twenty. So he's played two fewer matches than Alcaraz during that stretch of time, and they've both dealt with some lingering injuries that have kept them out for you know two weeks here or three weeks there, but. Isn't that just the burden of being young and growing into your body? Like, you're right. There is some projection that goes into that. But you look for Yannick Sinner, A, he and Rafa Nadal, the only two players in 2022 to reach the second week of every slam. B, you look at his last three losses at the slams, two sets to love up on Djokovic, loses that at Wimbledon, has match point on Alcaraz, obviously loses that at the U.S. Open in five, and then a five-set loss to Tsitsipas in Australia this uh, past January. He's not there yet, and I'm not going to pull an Andy Murray and cry in using this quote, but he is getting closer. Like, he is inching closer, right?
1: Right. Um... I still disagree. So <laughs> okay. I'm a, I'm a sports better. That's what I do for Yahoo Sports. Yes. And so I am looking at, you can throw out all the stats that you want. Stats is just a number. You have to do the deep dive. And does it actually make sense? So, okay, you have a win-loss record of A versus B. Great. Who have you actually played? Yeah. So you're saying that they have the same amount of wins as far as percentage goes. Okay, that's fair enough. But if you look at the level of competition faced, Yannick Sinner is 11 and 23 against top 10 opponents. Carlos Alcaraz is 14 and nine. And if you look at the players that Carlos beat in 2022, it was every top 10 player (laughs) imaginable, including Novak Djokovic. Sinner doesn't have that level of success And he's getting to the quarters and he's getting to the semis, but then he's losing. And it's because his style of play that I just mentioned earlier, Um, he's a baseliner. So unless Darren Cahill teaches him how to craft more points, come into the net more, just do more than play from behind the baseline then he's going to continue to kind of just like beat up on who he's supposed to and then lose to somebody like Carlos or even Zverev. Even Zverev is somebody who is very capable of defeating him and he holds a better head-to-head record. So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he does have the ability to do so, though. That's the one thing about Sinner is that he needs to have the drop shot ability. He has the drop shot ability. If I was Sinner or if I was Sinner's coach with the amount of power that he has, push opponents way back behind the baseline, then throw out the, job, the drop shot, come in after your power, and you are going to kind of crush your opponents. And even players like Carlos Arcaras, that gets tiring in a best of five. That is going to be your savior. So I'm not saying that Sinner doesn't have the potential to compete with Carlos. We've seen them go head to head. They're calling this the next Nadal versus Djokovic for the next 10, 15 years. But right now, what he has is not enough. He needs to develop more skill sets. It's
0: fair. I think he can do all those things. He just needs to do them more. And yeah. you, as you were saying exactly. it, I was smiling because I brought up the number, fearing you might go there, against players ranked outside the top 20. I use top 20 instead of top 10 because, like, what's the difference between Hercats and Fritz? What's the difference between Nori <laughs> and Rublev on the right week? Mm-hmm. Um both guys, Sinner, Alcaraz, ridiculous against players ranked outside the top twenty. Sinner's fifty-seven and uh, seven over this stretch of time, start of twenty twenty-two. Alcaraz forty-nine and four against top <laughs> twenty players. Alcaraz, equally ridiculous, twenty-two and ten overall trails just Novak Djokovic in terms of total top twenty wins. There you go, Yannick Sinner, six and thirteen. Notice and how there I said you that go. Quietly. Yeah,
1: you're not looking. numbers numbers just tell you part of the story. You have yeah. to do the deep dive and figure out what they actually mean. And that exiz- that's exactly proof point in case. And yeah. it's just, it's the same with like And I get a lot, people more often than not know football. So, okay, you're the best team in your conference. Well, who is in your conference? You got the Panthers, you got like, I mean, old man Brady and the Bucks. Like, it just, it's all dependent on who you are facing. Strength of schedule matters. So, when you have opponents who are like Carlos Arcaras beating up on some of the best top 10 players in the world at the time and winning in straight sets. Big difference compared to somebody like Yannick Sinner, who's beating up on players who are ranked outside the top 50.
0: There is a fluidity to Alcaraz that Sinner lacks. Uh, Like, look, I have eyes. I see what's going (laughs) on right now. Like, Carlos (laughs) Alcaraz, eye test, he wins. It's just eye-popping there's nothing more dangerous than right now in all of tennis than Carlos Alcaraz with time on the ad side of the court cuz you're just like is he going to inside out, inside in, drop shot, I lose. That's just the solution is you lose. Right. I think Sinner can do all of these things. I have seen him do them at a high enough level for long enough that my wager and you're right, it's projection, but my wager is 3 years from now when you know again puts on 10, 15 pounds of muscle. I don't know if there's that much more that his frame can add on, but he is fluid enough. He is athletic enough. He does not lack for firepower. I think it's a real rivalry. I also think fear is the wrong word. Carlos Alcaraz respects Yannick Sinner's game in a way where Alcaraz looks at Sinner and says, yeah, I think this guy could beat me. And I I don't know, that's an intangible thing, but I think that is part of the reason it might be the most non, uh, compelling non-Djokovic-Nadal matchup on the ATP Tour right now, right? It's just like they well, seem to be positioning each other as rivals.
1: Well, surface matters. Yeah. And then, um, just like Nadal and Djokovic, but surface matters. Does it, though? Because Sinner yes. beat him on clay. Well, so here's the thing. So, with that first off, Carlos was also still developing in his <laughs> skills. That's true. So, he is not the same player now that he was a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. We've seen it just comp yeah. Carlos Alcada's progression is just like Constant on the uprise Center is kind of more of like he's staying stable yeah. Um, So is what I want to say But I mean the between the two, if we're talking about between the two, the best on slow courts to me is Carlos. And anyone who is good on slow has a very good baseline game, as we have seen. But Carlos harnesses a larger variety in his style of play. He has the drop shots. He has the comfortability comfortability at the net, um, plus his defensive skills. And that's a huge, diff- huge difference between the two. He is Sonic the Hedgehog. His speed <laughs> is absolutely ridiculous. Call him the Flash. Where did he go? Because he is so fast on court that no matter what you hit and throw at him, he's probably going to get it just like Djokovic but where Carlos is behind on the only thing that he is behind on is Sinner's game is leaning into that power watch any match and it's an absolute slugfest but which is why it's been played which is why when it is on slow courts it's a bit more neutralized now the one thing that I do have from Carlos also compared to Sinner is that counter that is the one thing if you want to be Novak Djokovic and be world number one for years and years on end he needs to become a better cat counter puncher Um, and it's pretty like simple. He needs to get better at showing improvements at counter punching. He dictates the points really well. That's what he does now, but he needs to counter punch on a faster surface like Djokovic. And that's where Sinner has the edge. And that's where I'm saying surface matters because this is why we saw players like Nadal have not success on grass early on in their career and develop into that. And that's kind of where Carlos is right now. He's not going to be good on grass court because he doesn't have that counter punch ability like Djokovic. You can see Carlos. I can see. I am saying it right now. And I've been saying it for a year and a half or two years, however long I've been saying it. <laughs> People are like, you were the first one. I know. <laughs> what I've been saying is that I can see Carlos as a 20 Grand Slam player winner. He is going to put himself in that position, in position to do so because he won't have the big three. And he, the only thing that he is missing is that counterpunch ability. If he can add that to his arsenal, that's the last thing he needs. At 19 years old, he is missing one thing from his resume to put him up there solidified with the greats. So if you compare him and Novak, he can redirect. He needs to redirect. If he can get that, he can beat Novak on any surface and he's going to whip center on any surface. And that's why he's <laughs> and that's why he's not good on grass. Because Novak, he has the ability to have those abbreviated back those abbreviated swings and against a big serve, he places it on the baseline. And if you look at Carlos's record this year, 14 and 1. And why? Because it's on clay or a slow hard court. He should be looking this good through May and June. But the second that we dip into faster surfaces, some of the like Cincinnati, um, or dips into grass, he's gonna look a little bit lackluster again and people are gonna be like, oh, maybe we were overlooking it. No, it's because he hasn't developed that counterpunch ability, but he needs to. And when he does We're just going to be in more of all of him for the rest of our lives. I mean,
0: look, man meets the real deal. You're absolutely right. And when you look for Alcaraz, the joke we have here on our show is I think the greatest of all time debate is silly. So we do who hasn't been eliminated from the GOAT discussion. And like at 19 years old, you can't say he's been eliminated, which you can say about just about every other player by the time they turn 19 now it's funny, I say Sinner has to win a slam this year, otherwise he's eliminated from the discussion <laughs> because Federer didn't win his first till he was 21, for what it's worth. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't just... think
1: Sinner will win a slam. I think he has the ability Whoa. to win. I think he has the ability to win something like Madrid. Um, he'll win in like an ATP 500, 1,000, but I don't see him winning a slam. You
0: don't think he he just... he'll get any?
1: <sighs> any is tough, Um If you take Nadal, Djokovic, Carlos out of the equation, yes. Okay. Like, if they're not there.
0: You don't think – and there could be one slam over the next 15 years because he is 21. Oh, we'll say 13 years. So that's what? Quick math, 42, 52 slams. He
1: has chances. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But then you also have players like Alexander Zverev, and he is a very good player. And I I really – On a to Exactly. Medvedev is always going to be a threat. Baseline against baseline. Who outlasts who? That's what it's going to be. But no, like I'm more interested in backing. If it came to be who's going to win a slam first, um, not who already has or hasn't, but like who's going to win the next slam first, I would put Zverev above center.
0: Mm. I see. I have my definition of tier one is are you going to win a slam by the end of the decade? And I had Alcaraz Medvedev on that list. Obviously, they've both done it. I had Sinner on that list. I have Zverev on that list. I still have Felix on that list because his serve, his (sighs) forehand is just going to catch fire for two weeks at the right. He just needs that
1: confidence. He needs consistency.
0: I mean, we've seen him in a slam semifinal. And again, he's like just turned 22 years old. So he's still got his time as well.
1: I would even put maybe hesitant to do so. I'm not there uh, yet. No, yeah, I'm not, not there, there yet. yet not there it. yet. I think he's having his moments and he has sparks, but he's we're talking about building your body to sustain this mm-hmm. level of play and his body is not there. We're seeing him cramp, we're seeing him get injured and tired and wear out and humidity where is he needs to develop his body a little bit more. He needs to train in Florida yeah. um, or Spain if he wants to get better, but um no, like even for this tournament, we're talking about Miami Wells, Miami Wells and Miami Open. <laughs> Let me mix the 2 <laughs> We're talking about Miami Open yeah. um Sinner is on my upset watch against Zverev because I am very impressed with how quickly Zverev has kind of come back into play after being out from his injury, from his ankle injury. Um, I mean, he holds a 3-1 to record in head-to-head. Zverev nearly upset Mevedev and Indian Wells at the round of 16, and he has a huge serve. So that press, that serve that he has alone puts a lot of pressure on his opponents. And we've seen what happens with uh I mean, even Sinner, he he got frustrated <laughs> and it's just he can Zverev can generate his own power. He can handle power and he can hang with the best bas- baseliners as he just proved even after injury and being out for so long against Medvedev, He's able to dictate on the baseline. Um, that's why he was a problem against Nadal at Roland Garros up until he got injured in that match. So I think for even Miami Open, Sinner is on upset alert against Zverev if Whoa. they end up facing uh, each other.
0: The other guy I would throw on that list is Corda. I mean, if you watch January, yep. a healthy Sebi I Corda. Have- He's not there yet body wise, oh. but oh. Nope. If you,
1: nope, nope, know. nope. He is Good. not even. Are you kidding no, me? No, no, no. We'll have that. I to... have had no. We'll... I have had this debate on Twitter with many of folks, oh, and they yeah. they're like, okay. "Oh, I once asked who's the best American player, and I just got slammed with quarter, quarter, quarter." I'm like, "Are you <laughs> kidding? He's not even in the top five. No, like well, mate, definitely not the top three.
0: It's different discussions. Who's the best right now versus who long term? If you're buying stock in one, would you pick Ben Taylor because...
1: Fritz first and always?
0: Oh, if you're. You're wrong. It's okay. Everyone has an incorrect <laughs> You're wrong. <opinion>. Um, <laughs> if you were to build a tennis player in the lab, it would look like, te- like for the 2020s, it would look like Sebastian Korda. 6'5", fluid, backhand technique to die for. And on the right days, Djokovic 1, Zverev 2, Korda 3. That's the backhand list. Like, can crank. Kram- I mean, did you see what he did to Medvedev? Like, anyone who can do that in a three out of five set match at age 22... Call me in four years because you're probably a multi-time Slam champion and I'd love to interview you. Um, like that's, Talk again that would in be a year bet. and see
1: who has – well, okay, after he comes back from injury and he yeah. gets back into full form, let's touch base a year after that and he see who has joking. many more titles. Taylor Fritz always. He's always been the best U.S. player in recent in recent years and he's going to continue to be. Corda well, is not even on my radar.
0: Well, he's certainly not on the radar in Miami and you brought up, you know, again, the Zverev Sinner – potential matchup there. And as we look, I want to get into our top five contenders now because I think we both agree Alcaraz is number one. He's the defending mm-hmm. champion. He's earned the right to be at that number one spot. And you look at odds makers, they had him plus, I believe, one sixty. Uh one eighty is what I saw at my last number to start the event. Uh tennis abstract singles forecast has him a twenty point nine percent favorite. Who's number two on your list?
1: For Miami Open specifically. Yeah. Oh geez, um, how do you not do Medvedev? I mean, it's gotta be right. To, it, it's unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because <laughs> sure. we have seen we have seen in the past how Medvedev handles Miami humidity, and he doesn't do you remember what was it like two years ago and there's like all the gifs all around on twitter when he's like he looks like an actor i don't know he's about to break because he is limping he is struggling he is dying sweat is just dripping from his body like there's no he's so dehydrated (laughs) from he cannot handle it now i think he's gotten better with that He supplemented his his liquids with whatever it is that he feels (laughs) like he needs but I mean the Miami humidity alone, if and it's going to be hot. Um, so I'm looking for spots for him to be upset. But if the weather conditions, it depends on if he's playing during the day, if he's playing at night, um, if this are the courts as slow as um they're gonna they shouldn't be as slow as Indian Wells, but I mean the course condition should be. But he has now reached the final of every big hardcore tournament on tour except for Miami. So he's probably itching to do well here. And he has because you've seen it in his progression in his play. Most of his titles, I think it was like 17 of his or like three quarters of his titles were won in the second half of the season. And now he has three titles won this year in the first half. So he has changed. Level of play has also dipped because the opponents aren't there. There's no joke of There's no one at all. So it's opened up the door for him and his bracket right now. I would say that it's a fairly an easy one um, for him to reach another final And to see a rematch of Carlos (laughs) versus Medvedev in the final, what we just saw last week at Indian Wells. But I mean, so as long as he doesn't have cramps, not dehydrated, he can complain all he wants, but he can still do well. I think he has to be
0: number two. I also want to see that match again on different conditions because the real question is, when's the next time Carlos Alcaraz is going to lose a match at Indian Wells? If you were to build the perfect (laughs) court for Carlos Alcaraz, it would be that Indian Wells surface. It is a little faster at Miami. Mm -hmm. Not that much faster, but a little faster. Medvedev coming off of a 19-1 stretch now overall, where he dropped like six sets total during those 20 matches. Since the start of 2019, he's played in 19 different hardcourt Masters events, 54 and 15 overall. He's made the quarterfinals at least 12 times. So even in conditions he doesn't like, can still bet on him to make the quarters. And honestly, half the time that's the name of the game is survive while the other people fall around you. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned it, Hercots really the only big threat in his section. And I do think I have Hercots on my top five list at that number five spot. He was the kind of fill in the blank name there. Mm -hmm. I want to see the matchup again. Like I want to see if Medvedev on a quicker surface, if his first serve Mm -hmm. can be an equalizer. Because again, in theory...
1: It could be. But there's nothing. So it's interesting about this, and we saw it. Um, I have been – It it's so match-dependent. Yeah. I was on TBR, uh, Tim Van Riethoven, to defeat him in the final <laughs> last year's grass court event. Um, I thought Medvedev, you had like, the
0: thing to record the TV. I was like, you were on TBR. T- I was like, sure.
1: I was on him to defeat Medvedev in the final on which grass court event was it? Um I already forgot. <laughs> it was like
0: Rotterdam or her Ken Gajibosh or whatever. <laughs> in, yeah, last you know.
1: years, in the last year grass court event, he was a no name player and people were like, la- and he was a seven to one underdog. And it was just like, you take him with your eyes closed and you don't even care. You bet <laughs> it and forget it because he, the variety on grass that he had was just such a huge mismatch against a baseliner in Medvedev. And that's kind of what's exactly happening here with Carlos, he just, he, I mean, there's nothing that I can say that's going to like be different. It's he has variety and he has speed. And you saw it against Sinner, against a baseliner. He won in straight sets. He beat Medvedev in straight sets. And why? Because at one point, and I'm, I mean, it really did look even to both players, to both Sinner and Medvedev, like he was out there practicing. Like Carlos was just hitting a backboard and was like, "Okay, let me get some reps in. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll throw out a job shot. I, all right, I'll do a. I'll do a lob. I mean, he has everything in his game. If he needs to hit the back, the, and, oh, one. There's one interview actually that I loved, um, where he said that once he hits the down the line forehand, he knows that he's filling himself." and you there's literally a moment now ever since he said that there's literally a moment in the match where as soon as he hits that he stands up tall he does that little <laughs> face and I'm like oh hammer on the live line he is going to crush this, <laughs> this match is going under it's not going to three sets and you saw it happen in both matches against Sinner and Medvedev he hit that down the line forehand and he up his chest and he just dominated and it was because not only does he have the confidence but he knows that if If he needs to do the drop shot, he can. He needs to do the slice, he can. He needs to do the lob, he can. He wants to run from that corner to that corner, he can. What can't he do? Yeah, There's nothing nothing that his opponents have. Even as good as both players are, what are they going to do to counteract that? Yeah,
0: it's the heaviness of his forehand, too. It just got into the body of Medvedev so quickly, and it was just like you could tell Medvedev was straining to just really try to go after, especially that inside-out forehand when he could hit down on it a little more, and it was just Carlos was ready on that backhand wing. And again, I want to see it on a faster surface, but yeah, there are just ways Alcaraz can hurt Medvedev that Medvedev can't reciprocate. Still... Uh, or whatever there's 96 players in the draw 94 of the other ones aren't named carlos alcaraz exactly <laughs> yeah and they aren't in carlos alcaraz's section and for what it's worth the argument against carlos alcaraz has to do with his quarter of the draw it's the toughest quarter by far it's not particularly close is
1: it well let's say he plays pressy
0: in the third round
1: it's just. Cressy, I'm not impressed with. Um, yeah, but I he think serves he in
0: volleys like needs, two tie breaks. He, who knows? Cressy
1: needs a faster surface. He needs an indoor hard court. He needs you know grass court. Um, some these outdoor surfaces they're not going to cut it for him. So, Cressy is on my upset alert. Pretty pretty early on, I would think that Bukina definitely has a chance to. Uh, Murray has a chance to defeat him.
0: What about the Davidovich Fokina, Tommy Paul potential in that section? I mean, Tommy's played so well. He is athletic at enough. That's an yeah. interesting one. Or so is Davidovich Fokina, Not to against Carlos.
1: You can look at Carlos and think he's exactly like Nadal, and we've seen Nadal just absolutely destroy Paul, 6-0, bagel him. So, yeah, going to get through that absolutely fine, straight didn't, sets.
0: Didn't There's Tommy a- beat Carlos at the end of last year? Am I, like, crazy for remembering that? I, I could be wrong. I'm going to look it up as we're talking. I feel like that matchup happened. No, he beat Nadal in Paris. That's what it was.
1: Mm-hmm. But Nadal was also injured.
0: That's true. I mean, this is true. <laughs> I, I mean, again, I'm just saying the, Tommy's been top 15, top 10 good, I would say, for about six months. No, no. He beat Alcarez in Canada. Shout out to the brain. It still works. Fast court. Um, yeah, that's, that would be the, the big argument there. It's the quicker court. Still, Tommy in Miami. Like, that's a home match for Tommy. You never get a home match in tennis. So, yeah, we'll I'm not see. saying never. Maybe
1: take the over, but yeah, <laughs> when fair. it comes down to it, if and especially since it's later in the tournament, what is that, the fourth round? Yeah. Um, Carlos is well warmed up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fritz Aruna? Especially
1: if he ends up playing Murray.
0: Fritz Aruna in the quarters?
1: I would go with Fritz because Aruna is not playing well as of late. Like I said, yeah. those injuries are starting to pile on. Um, he's starting to look tired He's just—he's not fresh right now, mm-hmm. and he's starting to play like. A, uh, oh, that was almost rude. Um, I'll just finish the sentence. He was starting to play like his teenage self.
0: It's fair. It, definitely a little further behind the baseline. A little more counter punchy, A little more whiny as well. Might be the fair way. <laughs> and of that's a huge it.
1: difference between Carlos and Runa. Is you cannot they're the same age. You can't tell. Yeah. Uh, just huh. like mental mindset is just like 10,000 times stronger mm-hmm. from Alcaraz. Well,
0: Alcaraz he's, is also like. Granted, he's winning sure? everything. Yes, yes, yes. Are we but sure Just he's like human. the maturity
1: level is from a sports, not even just sportsmanship, just the maturity level of uh, of athletic ability. I mean, he just, he has the court sense, the mental sense. He just, Carlos, Alcaraz is just on a different level. So I don't compare the two at all. Um, all right. But yeah, I would go with Fritz over Runa.
0: Then if Alcaraz is one in Medvedev's two, who's three, four, and five for you? Because I assume Sinner's going to be there somewhere. But if you have him getting upset early by Zverev, maybe that's Zverev. your pick?
1: Not early, I wouldn't say. What, or when whenever they, they're they set would to play face in the, quor- in the Yeah, they would end up playing in the quarters. Yeah, I, I like Zverev. I really like where his game is at right now. And he is beating on beating up on the opponents that he should be. He's back to that level, and now he's starting to be competitive with some of these top tier players. And I mean, if he can, if you can catch Sinner, even Sinner is going to have the same type of struggles as Medvedev in this Miami humidity. We've seen the blisters be a thing for Sinner, and if you even in Indian Wells, he just looked. In the third set, he just in the in when he got to a third set, he just looked tired and slower. And he like like he had a limp, but that's just like his walk, I think. <laughs> but yeah. he just doesn't have the same level of physicality um, for these types of conditions. So all of the Europeans are probably players I'm looking to fade in Miami. Yeah. And so against the who is very well versed and he is coming into this. He has the hunger, he has the ability, he has the power, he has the serve, he has everything and he can contend. Yeah, I do. I would probably make Zverev my number three. So, I'm excited to see him get back.
0: Well, here's the thing. I once went on a, sh- a podcast, and I've said it many times here on this show. It, was in my, it wasn't this podcast where I said it for the first time. Where there are five minutes in every Alex Virov match where, you, at his best, you would watch him play, and you'd say that is the best tennis player I've ever seen. Period. Yeah. Like just period. The size, the fluidity, the backhand, and then you have a hundred forty mile per hour serve you can hit as well. He has all the pieces. Obviously, mentally putting them all together has perennially been his struggle. Here's the thing. He's still a little slow coming out of his right. corners. And Indian Wells, you have the extra second and a half to where, you know, he's still physically fine. He is back in shape, even if he isn't as quick and as fluid as he needs to be. And you can tell he does not want to slide in and out of corners. And you can understand why, given what happened to his ankle. If the courts are a little quicker, is he still going to have that sort of time that he had at Indian Wells? Because he is a guy six six, as strong as him. he is. Well, a slow. I think slower conditions are better for him, just because he needs time. I
1: think faster conditions are better for him.
0: Typically, yes, but I, not this. Vera would be my argument is that okay. I just don't think he has the time to yet. get into his. Yeah, exactly. That's my argument against him is he's just not there yet physically. Even in the success we saw at Indian Wells, still not fast enough.
1: I think this potentially I, what I'm hoping for is if I'm calling for an upset over Sinner, is that this is the tournament where he gets back to them.
0: Okay, and he is inching closer and closer. He is inching so, closer,
1: so it's yeah. going to happen. So it's a matter of how quickly, and this could definitely be one of the tournaments.
0: Yeah, and again, outside of Medvedev, Elkaraz, and I would say Sinner, but obviously you disagree. There is no clear cut top three. No Djokovic, no Nadal in this as well. We both have Hercots on our list. How could you not? Mm-hmm champion in Miami semifinalist mm-hmm. last year, who be also a ridiculous 27 and 10 in hard court masters since the start of 2021. And how
1: about a wild card? Number? Yeah, that's
0: right. That's exactly what I was going to ask for. So give me one more men's wild card.
1: How about Ben Shelton? Why are we oh, talking about you him?
0: Oh, you do. You're, this is, there's <laughs> the pandering and pandering. I am, and you have come I am pandering. drinking the
1: juice. I am interested. I'm. I'm not saying he's going to win. I'm not saying he's going to make it to the final, but I'm very interested to see what he can produce here because he's 20 years old. It's a hometown game for him. He's a Florida Gator, a Florida guy playing in Florida. Already you have to like it for that reason. And what people tend to overlook always, especially people who are new to tennis, he is a lefty and he lefties are always so difficult to play against. He made the quarterfinal at Australian Open, which is where he got his name kind of blown up. Um He beat what? Who did he beat? He beat JJ Wolf in five sets. And then he lost to Tommy Paul, who we're talking about how good of a player he is in four. So he pushed a good return game player two four sets he pushed taylor fritz who's world number five to three sets at indian wells that's a very good matchup for him that's a lot of confidence builder And now he's going up on a surface that's a little bit faster probably more up in his wheelhouse he has one hell of a kick serve my god it is major and on this surface that's definitely going to come into play um there's a chance that he could face a former winner Hubert her catch in this matchup they're basically the same player except one is (laughs) left-handed So yeah. if that ends up coming to fruition, I think that's a coin flip match. I would not give it a solid win over who over Hubie. I don't think that's like a, a lock for it, him to win. We could see an upset there. And Fritz is a big server, and we just saw that he can handle pace. So, yeah, there's an opportunity here for Ben Shelton to at least make a deep run. And when I say deep run, making it to the fourth round.
0: Can I just say to sneak in a... Ben Shelton, Hoopie Hurcott's comparison in minute forty-three is just not doing that comparison justice. That's like I've a minute to- four drop. That was round of a That was I <laughs> love that. That's really well done. Ben's a Florida kid. He's back in mm-hmm. Florida. You know he's not going to mind the humidity. Ben freaking Shelton. Ben, exactly. Yeah, that matchup is fascinating because yeah, I went popcorn. S- yeah, spent a lot of time covering Ben in college, and someone was describing his slice serve out wide at the on the ad side, and like what it's like to face it. And the quote was, "Yeah, well, if he makes it, you're just f-ed, because he's either hitting an ace or it's a forehand winner because he can go anywhere with that, or he served and volleyed. And so like, yeah, you lose the point. And yeah, in this in this heat in that match against hitting that serve into the whooie forehand." Oh, that one's tasty. I'm already again, saying yeah. per
1: catch, Shelton, take the over. It's either going to be two tie oh. breaks or three sets. The
0: problem is the over-under is going to be like 25 and a half,
1: 25
0: and, and a half. Well, now decent. that we're
1: saying it probably will, but I would imagine that it's going to be like 23. And no, if it does,
0: over. Let me correct you there. Now that you're saying it, it probably will. I don't move <laughs> lines. You move lines. And so that's that's a good dark horse. <sighs> Is it even a sleeper pick to say Francis Tiafo coming off of his semifinal at Indian Wells? Because he's in the CT Pass section. CT Pass, okay. fourth best according to odds makers, fourth best according to tennis abstract, but he's not healthy. And like Francis, I have no concerns about him doing it two weeks in a row physically. He has been this guy since mm-hmm. the U.S. Open. Right. Like he's made the quarterfinals, I believe, in Miami before. Why not Francis Tiafo again to come out of that bottom quarter?
1: Um, let's see. I'm looking at his draw now. Felix
0: is the big one. That Felix would be the fourth the round. That's and literally Felix would be fourth on death. my list. For, for, that's, like, that's my four versus five doing battle in the round of 16.
1: That would be Tiafo's biggest um, challenge if he were to end up there in the fourth round. My problem is I have such high hopes for Felix every tournament. Yeah. That I'm still thinking Felix, I have Felix getting to the semis and in a matchup against Medvedev. He he should. He has the ability to. And the draw for the entire bottom half is pretty fairly simple, including Tiafo. And my problem with Tiafo is he has a skill set. We've seen it against Nadal, where he did bring out the level, the variety of weapons. He threw out the drop shot, he threw out the net shots. he But then when he played against Medvedev baseline, 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 he didn't really try any other option. So it's like, what game plan is he going to come up with? And if you're giving me a baseline game against Felix, even then, he's, I think Felix is the better baseliner. He has all that power. He has the serve. Um, I like Felix to get through Tiafo.
0: Yeah, it's it's the weapon to the forehand. It's that serve that forehand into the Francis forehand. It's the sort of transcendent power that could still give Tiafo issues despite the improvements there. Yeah, I mean Felix. I'm a little afraid of how much we agree. The only thing we disagree on is the center placement. I like Felix in there. I even like the long-term takes. Zverev, all he's undervalued right now. Play, although it's a question for how long that's going to last because you look at the odds makers right now. Zverev already up to sixth according to the odds. He's at 26 to one. Tiafo tied for 10th or ninth or something like that at 41 to one yeah, take Shelton to win, throw a dollar on, and I've spent dollars I mean, in to win ways. his quarter,
1: maybe, but definitely not to win the tournament.
0: No, nah, let's go to win the tournament. If he's going to be the <laughs> guy, like, come
1: on. Uh, again, <laughs> I it's one dollar? I am the better, so uh, it's like the PGA. Instead of taking somebody to win outright the whole thing, I'm taking them to finish in the top 20. And it's the same thing here. Shelton, he's good value to win his quarter because if he does get through Hubert and her catch, he's not only prepared for that type of play, but then he gets Cam Nori in the next round, and I love Nori. That's a very competitive matchup that's very interesting lefty against lefty who's gonna win but um i still like shelton so um maybe to be competitive so that would be the one i think nori has a definitely better shot to defeat shelton rather than her catch over shelton so i would say shelton to win his quarter rather than to win the entire thing
0: (laughs) here's what i'll say Pam bets Shelton to win. Pamela bets Shelton to win the quarter. Like, that's just that. That's <laughs> that is just, true. That's what I'm saying. Just throwing that out there. Exactly but right. I, I think we'd agree. Alcaraz and, Pam is probably- and
1: Pamela are betting on man meat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So that's where we can leave the men's conversation. Here's how I want to frame the women's side for you, because we did have the big news today. Iga Świątek out of the event due to injury. So the way I want to frame it is this. The, all the discussion's been a uh, new top three is emerging, Shviantek, Sabalenka, Rabakina. I would throw Krejcikova into that mix. For the sake of this exercise, I won't. If I offer you Sabalenka and Rabakina or the field, who would you take heading into this event?
1: You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to be honest. I don't do WTA. All so right. I'm going to go with the field I like one it. Thi- when I'm a better. So I'm looking for value. Mm-hmm. And when I'm looking for value, when it comes to women's matches, I don't do outrights. It is so difficult to call for a women's match. Name any two tournaments where a female has won back-to-back tournaments, won three out of the last four. You just don't see that level of play because the skill sets in women's tennis, they're also equalized, which is why we're seeing the ATP even be so difficult because once you remove Djokovic and Nadal from the equation, everyone's kind of on an equal playing field. And that's kind of what it is right now with um, with the WTA. If you take I- Iga out of the equation, they're all pretty much the same type of level of competition. So you throw a name into a hat pull, cool, and you probably have more luck calling for an outright winner than you would. <laughs> than you would actually trying to analyze the WTA. Entertaining to watch, but from a value perspective, I don't dabble into WTA too often. I love watching though. And no, I do miss... I miss Samona Halep. She was my favorite WTA player, and I miss her, and I hope um, whatever issue is going on off the court with her, her that problem, what was mm-hmm. it, the the drug policy thing, yeah, um, sure. I hope that gets resolved and she gets back on court because she was really starting to build some momentum there before that happened.
0: Well, that's fascinating to me to hear because I am curious, how do you frame Iga versus Carlos? Because obviously what we saw Iga do in 2022, I mean – 37 same, straight match victories yeah it's is is on that same tier for you
1: absolutely she you can put her on any surface and she's going to be competitive you've seen her just wipe the floor on her opponents and it's because of the power that the difference is she has that power but she also has the variety she's so good she is yeah. so good now if you put her um no you have to be on the same tier it's just it's yeah. Ego, and then the rest of the field yeah. and it's I, like and that's how it is right now with carlos Rega- Regardless of whatever the skill set is that Iga has, it is her number one and then everybody else. And right now it's Carlos and everybody else if Djokovic is not on the in the, in the mix.
0: Yeah, it is fascinating because Iga, like Carlos, it's that they can do everything. And it's, it's like they can do it all, and they have this eye-popping athleticism. Like what I would give the slide into the corner just once, the way Iga hits the sliding backhand. Just like one, if I tried that, the hip is gone. Like it's over. It's just like there will be – Popping the no knee. <laughs> yeah, exact, all of it. It's a full reconstruction coming out of that slide. And well,
1: who I, who I do think – who I miss in the WTA, who I think um, definitely could have – is better than Iga. Sure is Ash Barty. Um, I mean, just her, she had the physicality. She had the variety. She has the game sense, the court sense. She was just such a great, fascinating player to watch. I enjoyed, I'm very fortunate that I got to watch her at the US Open right before she retired. Um, But I mean, you take her out of the mix and that's why Iga is dominating. But you put Ash Barty back into the mix. I wouldn't say that we're having the same conversations about Iga. Um, We would probably be talking more about Barty.
0: Yeah. Iga minus 110 to win the French right now. Should we hop on it?
1: Yes. How do you yeah, not? Take her to win. Without... Oh, well, didn't she just withdraw today, though, from Yeah, injury? with
0: injury. But still, injury. I'll, I'll,
1: I'm kind of like, we've got two months, three months. Like, she's Take 21. They him. heal fast. To win without dropping a set. Oh. She's done uh, it before. She can do it again.
0: See, this is where you find value. I'm like, name the odds. I'm in. Whatever you want to do. I'm, it's I,
1: probably I, 10 to 1 because that's what Carlos was to win uh, Miami Open without dropping a set is 10 to 1.
0: Is that your favorite bet of the tournament right now?
1: I mean, sprinkle a little bit on it. Why not? He's playing, like I said, in my opinion, his draw is fairly easy. Um, Easy. It is easy. In my opinion, it's fairly easy. With what he has to offer right now, it's fairly easy. So so as long as he is healthy, why not? 10 to 1. Put a little sprinkle. That's all it is. You're betting small to win large. Mm -hmm.
0: I like it. Early in a tournament, are you more game spread over under money lines? Where are you focused?
1: Um, I typically don't like to bet the first rounds. I want to see how fast the courts are during the day, at night, the weather conditions. I want to see who's coming into this with form. There's a lot of players that we haven't seen um, play lately, like even players like Berrettini. I want to see he's coming off that challenger event. I want to see what he looks like. Um, so s- situations like that. Players who have been playing, like Carlos, I'm more confident to like take uh, set spreads, win in straight sets, game spreads. Um, I don't think they'll go to tie breaks. I really do also like betting, will there be a tie break? <laughs> because those more often than not, those are plus money odds. Mm-hmm. And um, especially once you start getting to the faster surfaces, uh, those more often than not can end up hitting in, in any tournament. So,
0: Yeah, I like all of that. I'll say this. I was in Phoenix watching Berrettini.
1: Doesn't look so good. No, and he's on upset alert for me too in this tournament.
0: Yeah, he's like fifty-five and fifty-two in his career, two out of three-set hard court matches. So I'm always out on Berrettini in the hard court. I, I, like for some reason, it just hasn't clicked. Um, yeah, didn't look great in Phoenix, so I'd stay I away on for upset sure. Upset
1: alert on the second round. He should be potentially be playing Mackenzie McDonald. That could be a good match for McDonald to yeah. get through.
0: Oh, give Mackie some pace to redirect. Yeah, that feels like an upset alert special. Well, again, what was special was to finally have the opportunity to do this podcast with you. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Before I let you go, what can tennis fans expect from you? I know you've got other things coming up, but what can we expect throughout Miami?
1: Um, I'm just going to be posting my picks to Twitter if I have anything. I, I have to be honest here. My tennis hasn't been great lately crush Australian <laughs> Open which is always expected of me um I people know me as the as Pam or Pamela who loves the Aus Open <laughs> yeah. but then after that I've been kind of struggling a bit and I think it's not necessarily that I'm struggling I think it's because what I mentioned earlier the level of competition is more balanced there's not really any one player that is dominating like we used to see with Djokovic when at all all those players so you have to look for the players who are really really strong right now so what I'm having to learn Cause I typically used to always just do majors, but now I've been dabbling in the best of threes and it's a lot more volatility. So I'm having to like, just remind myself, Stick to the players that are playing strong. And those players right now are Sinner. I would even put Zverev in that mix. Um, Medvedev, maybe looking for an upset opportunity if it's during the day and it's 100 degrees humidity, whatever. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Carlos. Stick to the strong players and the players that are like 50-50. Oh, it's a coin flip? Just stay away from. It's just common sense betting. Stay away from the coin flips. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: No, I love that. It's so funny you mentioned stay away from the early rounds. I went 2-12 and 12 through the first three days Ooh. of the Australian Open, 21-7. and seven the rest of the way so So like maybe you're on to something i'm in Mm -hmm. i I like this a lot and again this was a pleasure you are always welcome back on the show really appreciate you taking the time and uh, again don't be a stranger
1: thanks for having me
0: Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Yahoo Sportsbook betting analyst Pam Maldonado. A massive thank you to Pam for taking the time to join us for tolerating all of my nonsense. I sincerely do hope we're able to have her on the show more frequently moving forward because it's nice to speak with someone who's not trapped inside the tennis bubble exclusively the way so many of our guests here at Cracked Rackets are. And I don't say that as a bad thing for them. Of course, we want to talk to the best and brightest, most locked in minds in the tennis world. But it's always nice to get the perspective from someone who follows the sport closely, but may not be trapped in that same bubble. So again, a massive thank you to Pam for taking the time to chat. Uh, Really look forward to speaking with her more in the future. Of course, we've got plenty more Miami Open coverage coming for you over the next 10 days here on the Mini Break podcast feed. We've got plenty of other coverage of Everything happening in the tennis world right now here at Crack Rackets as well. For all of your college challenger updates, head on over to the uh, Great Shot podcast feed if you want to hear from some recent champions on the ATP challenger, ATP tour, go head over to our Cracked Interviews podcast feed. Nuno Borges, Alexander Kovacevic, Alexander Shevchenko, Richard Gasquet, so many more we've had the chance to chat with of late. You can find all of those conversations over on the Cracked Interviews feed. A shout out to the man who makes all of our content possible. It's Super Producer, Daniel Westhoff, who has a f- of an job to do day in, day out. Of course, a massive thank you as well to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest equipment with all of that said for the fantastic Pam Maldonado our super producer Daniel Westoff our friends at Tennis Point and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin you know what we say that's the break talk to you all tomorrow thanks everyone